0: hey guys welcome back to another episode of cheaper than therapy we're so excited for today's episode so grateful that you all are here
1: with us and you're gonna go on this journey with us because today we're talking to danielle laporte and boy she has been kind of a spiritual mentor of mine for so long so danielle is a member of oprah's super soul 100 a group who, in Oprah Winfrey's words, is uniquely connecting the world together with a spiritual energy that matters. The former director of a future studies think tank in Washington, D.C., where she managed a team creating global scenarios, she now speaks about the intelligence of your heart. Her most recent book, How to Be Loving, which, by the way, this is her fifth book. i was shocked. When your heart is breaking open and the world is waking up, is an audiobook and an ebook with a companion deck and journal. Danielle is also the author of the Firestarter Sessions, the Desire Map, White Hot Truth, and producer of dozens of meditation kits and online programs for spiritual support. And again, somebody who's been a personal mentor of mine for many years.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it just was such a gift to get to talk to Danielle. She's one of those people who speaks to. Uh, You know, this soul work in a way that is so resonant. Um, There's something about being in her presence that Mm. just feels like you are held. And so so true. Yeah. And and an understanding of these concepts where you just feel really safe and seen. And I don't know, it just feels like you're like in a warm cocoon as you're talking to her. I could have listened to her talk for hours. You know, one
1: of the most profound things I think for this for me in this conversation was not necessarily the content about which she was talking about, because I've I've kind of been a follower of hers for a while. It was more like, you know, when you have this idea of who somebody is in your head because you don't know them, you know, their persona. Right. Yeah. I mean, John experiences this all the time. Like, you know, my partner has such a persona and then people meet him and he's like kind of introverted and like and I feel like with her, because I've been following her, there's like a little nervousness around like please don't let me down, right? It's just an ego thing. Not let me down, but, like, don't be something different. Don't be a jerk or, like, you know, because I've had that experience. Mm -hmm. And she was such a human. Like, just such a, like, we were laughing, and she was so down to earth. And it was, like, made my heart really happy because it it almost drew me to her more and to her teachings more because she's got this, insane spiritual and 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 universe connected intelligence and also she can like laugh and swear and be human and i there's something about people like that that i just resonate with so much
0: yeah i mean her warmth is the thing that will continue to sort of reverberate after talking to her but i think she has this way of speaking to you know some of these Complex mm-hmm, universal yeah. laws or spiritual ideas in a way that just there's no ego, she's no. like right here with you in the space right? of yeah. your humanity. Um, speaking to all of the things that we experience in our humanity in a way that it's like, of course, and also there are these larger truths. Um, that I don't know, she just so beautifully and eloquently makes visceral for you. Mm, so well
1: put. All right, y'all, without further ado let's get into it. But first,
0: yes, um, please remember to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to most. Give it a five star rating and review. And, you know, if you love this podcast, please share it with a friend. Word of mouth is still the way that we get the podcast out to more people and help it to grow. And if you haven't yet, Check out the details of our upcoming week-long intensive retreat from self-abandonment to inner belonging. You can find the link to that in either of our bios, and it's the first week in January, but seats are limited. Last year, we sold out, so don't wait. Get in there, and we can't wait to see you guys in January. Yeah. So now I'm I'm not
1: lying this time when I say without further ado, because I said that, and then there was more ado. (laughs) All right, y'all, without further ado, here's Danielle Laporte. Danielle, I'm super excited to have you here. Um, I've been I've been a fan for a long time, a fangirl for a long time, just kind of uh, taking in your content before you joined. I was telling Danae that I don't even remember, I guess this is how social media works, I don't remember even how I found you. You know, you get through these these kind of rabbit holes that we go down. But I remember, or I still know, that part of what I love so much about you is that you rarely come at people. Like there is um and i'm in this with you kind of uh energy to the work that you do and there's uh you know from obviously the outside looking in it just it's soothing and it's like come with me let's do this together let's all hold hands and uh i think nowadays we have so many experts out there yeah. and so it's it's refreshing sometimes for someone to be just essentially like giving you that vibe that they're just in the circle with you and not like
2: putting their finger in your face so I appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you because, you know, your your skill is to read people. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, you know, my way is I'm a seeker. Let me tell you what I found out along yeah. the way. But I also have this, you know, I have this really great judgmental streak where I'm just like, ah, you know, the self-help space. <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> yeah. So I try to like, mm, just point a few things out without... Yeah. Doing the call out. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah.
1: Um, well, I want to dive in because for those who are listening, Danielle just wrote a new book, not her first, but a new book. Um, yeah. Hold it up so you all can see it. who are watching on video how to be loving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we usually start these podcasts, especially when somebody hasn't been on before asking you to kind of take us back in time and tell us the story of kind of how you came to the place that you're at. Um, you know, this is, is this your second or your third book? Fifth. Oh, geez. Yeah. Girl, okay. get it. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I, so, so how about a truncated version of how you came to be who you are? But I would also love for the listeners to know how this baby
2: came to be birthed into the world. Okay, cool. Thanks for saying truncated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also a New
1: Yorker, so I might be a therapist, but I'm like, and let's keep
2: it brief. <laughs> yeah. Well. Can I start from present tense? Yes, please. Okay. All right. So I am well known, currently most well known for a book called The Desire Map, mm-hmm. which was like this holistic approach to setting goals, which was really more a subversive way to get people to not set goals at all. But if you're <laughs> still attached to them, this is like a you know soul affirming way to do it. Yeah. And how to be loving. Is a combination, it's this mashup of the question, how do I want to feel?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And my own dark night of the soul and and kind of coming of age in social media.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, we can sprinkle in the past there. It's like I used to run a think tank in Washington, DC. I had 21 futurists. We talked about weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. I felt like a big fake, but it was awesome. It looks great on a resume. Um, I moved back to Canada to just kind of get out of that whole scene. I was gonna go into fashion design. I got fired from my own company. So I started like a soulful branding consultancy. Mm. We raised Oprah called. We raised a bunch of money. You know, if Oprah calls, the best thing to do is tell all your friends. Oprah just called, and then you raised some capital. And then I got fired from that. I got Steve Mm. jobbed from my own business. So there was this theme of. Like, I'm just going to go it on my own. Just going to go it on my own. And then I kept that theme like worked into my creativity of just like, I can't find a day planner that actually, you know, in marketing speak, I say like puts my soul on the agenda. So I made one. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, and I want a different approach to goal setting. So I made one. And then I realized that this is the big revelation is over the past couple of years is a combo of like mystical research, like, what do the mystics really think about the subconscious and feelings? And I wanted to go like beyond Jungian. Right. Even, Carl- even further. Even, deeper. even further. Like, yay, Carl. I quote him a lot in yeah. how to be loving. I think, you know, I think Carl Jung wanted to go further. He did. Um, yeah, but he was, you know, he had a brand too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I realized there was just a series of challenges and relationships that me feeling fulfilled and like really close to something bigger than myself, like me feeling meaningful and actually lit up had nothing to do with being in a good mood.
0: Mm,
1: Wait, say that again.
2: Feeling fulfilled. Okay. Has nothing to do with your mood.
1: I'm like working with a client almost exactly on this topic right now, which is why I was like, "Whoa, that just landed.
2: Okay. Because I think a lot of us can get down with the concept that love is not a feeling. I mean, this is like really like, okay, if I'm going to step on a soapbox. The first step is like, "Hey, everybody, guess what? It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. You will have feelings because of love. Mm-hmm. But love is like, oh, it's a state of consciousness. It's a way of being. It's the fabric of the universe. I mean, there's all sorts of poetic ways to, but it's actually not a feeling.
0: Mm -hmm. When you're
2: it, when you're in the presence of it, you feel things. Mm. You actually get on the pleasure pain roller coaster, but that's that's a whole other topic. Mm. And, you know, I'd heard Marianne Williamson say a few years ago, she's like, stop trying to be happy. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, is what I've been saying. Stop trying to be happy. Because happy, you can get so ego. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got here. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah.
1: Um, I want to dive in because I I have to say I, I devoured, I, and I know how this works, right? We were just talking about how I came off my own tour. So I would say like maybe 30% of the people who we did podcasts with actually read the book. Right. Yeah. Um, but I will say I read at least 50% of it. So I think that's a good that's percentage awesome. considering I got it like four days ago. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a solid A plus. And you
1: can see it because I've got stars and highlights and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to give my ego a pat on the back for that. But yeah. <laughs> um, one of the big topics that I, I want to just kind of dive right into with you because it's something that Danae and I speak to frequently is, mm. um, Is this idea of spiritual bypassing right
2: oh yeah
1: um it's a big one it's something that danae and i have i feel like almost talked about turned over from every angle but i particularly want to speak about it with you because i love what you say about this mantra almost or this prayer of bless and release which i love
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um which to me feels more like the act of acknowledging it like it's not a forgiveness it's more of an acceptance in order to move into a place of i don't know i don't want to say taking power back that might feel a little bit too masculine but maybe mm-hmm. um, and then also there's like kind of two things in here i want to get into the spiritual striving as a mm-hmm. form of bypassing so mm-hmm. first and foremost will you tell us a little bit about what your perspective is kind of on this concept of spiritual bypassing
2: which i think today and i see so frequently out there it's an epidemic And I don't know if it's a new thing. I think maybe we've been doing it for eons. So it's like, it's really okay. Um, My quick definition is you take a situation that looks unspiritual. It looks greedy and it looks jealous and it looks like hurt and it looks like anger. All these so-called non-spiritual, unspiritual things, you know? And then you take like a shiny spiritual concept and you just smear it all over your humanness. Mm-hmm. So um, I love that visual, by the way. <laughs> right. This is big spiritual bypass butter. Um, so, you know, we tell ourselves well, the internal dialogue is I'm angry, and so I'm not spiritual. Mm. I'm fed up, and that's not very evolved. Um, and then the spiritual bypass tools I think there's three of them. One is everything happens for a reason. Mm. that's what we say uh the other thing is um it's karma and the third one is there's a gift in the pain i'm just thinking about this this morning
0: yeah
2: i think all of those principles are universal truths there is karma uh there is always always a gift in the pain and i think everything does happen for a reason i think the soul is really calling the shots at all the time, all times. But if you don't get into your humanness, you're going to miss the holy opportunity. It's like the opportunity is I'm enraged. There's something to look at. I got to love my rage. I got to love how shitty I feel about my rage. And that's that's the chemistry move Mm -hmm. to be like the spiritual thing to do is to love the stuff you think isn't spiritual. I love that and you expand yeah yeah
1: oh danae your audio's off i was wondering why you were so quiet because <laughs> i was like she's a therapist she does the mmm a um, lot like i do and i didn't hear her can you time. hear me Now i can hear yeah you. Can hear it's you so now. funny because i tried to jump in a couple of times and i was <laughs> like okay b well go
0: on um <laughs> i just thought you were letting me um, carry it <laughs> that's really funny um so I feel a little bit torn, Danielle, because I feel like spiritual bypassing is certainly—I would say—my Achilles' heel. It's probably the thing my own therapist calls me out on the most. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I am in the space of avoiding um, my mess or really trying to put, you know, some sort of a positive—not even positive, but like I'm—I'm I'm a meaning maker. Like I will find the meaning. I will get there. Um, yeah. Maybe sometimes a little bit quicker than is useful. But I find that life comes in and does not allow me to do that. So I feel a little bit torn sometimes when I see so much of the content that is like railing against love and light, and these people need to stop spiritual bypassing and this toxic positivity, which, of course, those things are very real. And I find that life will serve us what we are meant to be served in. Mm-hmm. Divine order, a lot of times. So, I don't know if that's even um, if there's a question there, really. But I guess, but like, what, so what? What's the tension? Mm-hmm. I guess you know here's what I think comes up for clients so often lately Mm. is we are constantly in the space of I'm doing this thing called life wrong. And I think there's so much about social media that is really reinforcing that, right? You should be doing the work. You need to be in here. You need to be looking at your stuff Mm. nonstop. And so I feel like there's also a way that we can get into the space of not really living, but like constantly picking apart what I'm doing wrong, where I'm bypassing, where I'm not like doing the work that I should be doing. And sometimes I get to the space with clients where I'm just sort of like, you know what? I think you need to just live a little bit more because I promise you, um, you are only going to avoid whatever dark night of the soul you were meant to experience for so long. The universe has a way of um, working those things out for you. Do you know what I mean?
2: I think the most, spiritual esoteric powerful thing one of the most powerful healers ever gave me Mm. was was two things first thing was take breaks Mm. the other thing was you don't have to process everything
0: Mm.
2: and i was like what Mm -hmm. i don't have to micro think and and what and you know and this is very you know the buddhist perspective of you are the sky the feelings, the emotions, they're the clouds. Mm. You don't even need to observe the clouds. <laughs> like, it's just like,
1: keep just
2: being, this is what's happening today. It's really the mind that wants to process everything. I mean, mm. like, like I think the end game, not that there's ever an end game, is, you know, maybe this will be like 10 books from now. It's, it, it's about beingness. Mm. Yeah. But like, since we have a mind, and since the mind will desire, let's just, you know, I started with goal setting. Since we want things, mm-hmm. let's go about it holistically. And it's like, okay, since we have minds, and the mind will divide, um, why don't we use the mind on behalf of love? And then I think you get to that kind of Eckhart Tollean place of you're not even really thinking about it.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: And then you get to peace out. You don't have to do this duality thing anymore.
1: I think what I hear you saying, Danae, too, is um, because I've seen it, obviously, I know you so well that I know that some of these principles have been so transformational for you in your experience. And I, I know that Danae and I both as therapists uh, really struggle being with people in deep depression. Like sitting mm-hmm. with and being with people in deep depression, that sometimes there is a tendency to to want to kind of shake some people and say like you don't have to be in it all the time. Like you are able to pull out sometimes and experience joy and experience love, and not that doesn't have to be bypassing, right? Like it doesn't mean that you're skipping the work. It doesn't mean that you're not feeling the feelings. And I, I actually, as I'm saying this, there's a part in your book where you talk about the difference between is it being with your pain versus i wrote it down and i it almost feels
2: pain versus being with it yeah which is i think where you really i think that's spiritual maturity it's like the pain is happening i created the pain and Mm -hmm. and this is not a spiritual bypass like and and this isn't um this isn't self flagellation either where you know now that you know this is gets into a discussion about like soul and karma where I think the soul is dispensing all of our lessons, even the unthinkably tragic, traumatic, horrible things that happen to us. It does not mean that we don't meet ourselves with extreme compassion and confusion and leave room for mystery. Hmm. You got to leave a lot of room for mystery. Um, My observation in this space is that There's a problem right now with people over-identifying with their trauma. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think
2: because lots of people, you know, we have access to therapy. That's really changed the game for how we grow. It's like we aren't in nature as much. Mm -hmm. We don't, and that's by means of lifestyle. And we don't go into nature to heal. Like Mm -hmm. you couldn't dial up a therapist even really 20 years ago. Like you had to make an appointment, you know all this. And now you can, it's all on Zoom. And so I think because um, just the, the accessibility of it, we train the mind less. Mm-hmm. We're becoming dependent on therapy. And the ego will want you to identify as your trauma as long as possible. It will want you to stay in the soup. It's actually the ego mind that is creating the depression. Mm -hmm. It's inescapable for lots of us. I think the ego is like, this is so important to say. It's like, I am for loving the ego. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I think that's really important to say. (laughs) The ego is how it's one of the greatest gifts. The shadow is how you find your light. Yes. The, the ego that is all this masking is how you realize who you really are. It's great. So I am not about, I'm not even about confronting the ego. Stop trying to overcome your ego. I agree. Love it. Have a conversation, have a, engage in a friendly way with your dark side.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, there's also, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's a, it's a protective quality too. You know, it's like when i say to clients, um, thank God for all those defense me- defense mechanisms. Let's yeah. not throw them all out the window. Mm-hmm. They serve a purpose. You're here. You've made it this far. Right. Um, and, and you've developed those along the way and thank God for them. You don't want to get rid of them. And I would say the same for the ego. You, first of all, you can't. So good luck trying. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, let me know out there when you do decide. You know, you figure it out how to actually get rid of your ego. But why would you want to? It's such an important part of what makes you human. Um, mm-hmm. That I almost sometimes feel like not only is it such an important part of what makes you human, but it it in a way can almost be the the portal
2: to the spirit. Yes, and you made it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. your creation. It's like, would any of us want to get rid of our children? No. Mm -hmm. Can you erase the fact that you have had a child? I mean, there could be a fracture. There could be a break. What, you know, maybe you disown each other. Yeah. But you can't erase the fact that you created another Mm -hmm. human. You cannot erase the fact that your mind is creating things. Mm -hmm. So stop trying to put all the mind babies on the porch, because then as you both know, (laughs) all that stuff in the basement of the psyche is going to be like, Hi. Oh, you didn't hear me? Okay. How about an anxiety attack? Mm -hmm. Oh, you didn't hear me? How about crippling depression? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. How about a somatic response, right? How about an ulcer? How about heart issues? How about, right, migraines, whatever it might be?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Which I'm really interested in talking about all those somatic responses in an esoteric way Mm -hmm. because, you know, I can just be kind of on my, my metaphysical bender and say, look, the heart is for giving. The heart is forgiving. I mean, we can put a pin in the conversation about forgiveness, but it's like you are meant to love. You are meant to radiate love, receive love, give love. When you don't do that, you create energy blockages. Now we can bring in some science and back those up. Back it up. It's like. Just think about the common cold and some stress. What happens? Right, you know, basic lack of self care yep. leads to stress and all that. I just want—I want to go even deeper. It's like when you are not giving love to yourself, your mind babies, to others, you create energy blocks that will possibly create a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Those energy blockages will grow tumors. Mm-hmm. So love. Love really is the medicine. That's the punchline. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's something I've heard you speak about, Danielle, that I feel like has really been helpful to me in my relationships, which is that a lot of times we're really conditioned to think that we need to be rigid in boundaries, when a lot of times the work is more around accepting people in the space of who they are and what their capacity is. And I know for me and some of my core relationships, just getting out of the space of resistance to who this person is um, has been so helpful. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit more about that.
2: I would love to, because I think this is so key right now. I think we're becoming overbounded. Mm. And this is how I look at it these days boundaries, essential, gotta have them, learn about them, self respect, all the scripts, so much great material out there right now mm-hmm. around boundaries. Yeah. And some not so great stuff. Um, it's not the end game.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like I would love to see the, thera- like, the therapeutic relationship going like this. Um, we're going to witness you. We're mm-hmm. going to look at the impact and the patterns that formed because of the trauma, the family of origin stuff. And could we consider that the end game is forgiveness. I just like radical. I know how radical that could be. Like, if I would have walked, you know, I've had so much therapy. If I would have walked in the beginning and I was just like, I need to be heard and seen and understood. And I don't even like teach me how and why I'm so fucked up. Right. And if my, if my favorite Jewish Buddhist psychotherapist would have said, we need to work on forgiving, I'd just be like, I'm out. Yeah. I need, I <laughs> need to, you. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. I need to be, I need some. Yeah. But isn't that the point Mm -hmm. that we move beyond in such a way, we expand in such a way that we are more whole Mm -hmm. and when we're more whole, that love is going to flow. I mean, my experience is it's forgiving that has been, it reconstitutes me those Mm -hmm. times when I do it. It's the difference between being in relationship with people that I am related to and not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same.
1: I I think what people struggle with, Danielle, and, and I mean, I think I would, as a human, probably struggle with this myself too, but I think what people get hung up on in this idea of forgiveness, right, is they think that forgiveness means that I'm giving something to this other person versus realizing that you're actually giving it also to yourself Meaning if I forgive, there's this idea that it means whatever I'm forgiving for is okay. That like whatever you've quote unquote done to me that I'm saying that that's okay, right? And I I try to explain to clients that that's not actually what that is, right? No one is actually saying that you have to condone bad behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a difference. But the forgiveness, this idea of allowing it to not consume you and harden you and fester in you, right? um that's for you too
2: oh yeah totally and it's it's not the the miracle of forgiveness is you did that awful thing and i'm going to love you anyway we don't have to have dinner together my mm-hmm. life my job for myself is to create conditions of healing and so you're you're not invited to the wedding but like i am wishing the best for you I remember why I love you. Mm -hmm. That's miraculous stuff. Mm -hmm. That's how you become a spiritual grown-up. Everybody these days, everybody want to be a baller. Mm -hmm. That's baller.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Spiritual grown-up. I love what you said about my job for myself is to create conditions of love. I think there's something a lot of times in the resistance is I don't know that there's some way that I am on a moral high ground or that I'm not able to see your humanity in this. And thus I feel like sometimes we become very similar to the thing that we are unable to forgive. And to that, I think that is where it becomes the spiritual maturity is I don't want to be that thing. And so that is for me to give.
1: You, Danae, were beautiful. The way that you I will never forget when everything happened with George Floyd, and I speak about this often, and just being swept up in the rage. And I mean, I can still easily tap into the rage of it. And you were the one that said to me, I couldn't watch the whole video, but when I did, I actually never looked at him. I never looked at George Floyd. I watched the police officer. Mm -hmm. And all I could think of was like, you were in pain. And all you could think was, what happened to you? And that was such a profound thing for me, not only to hear just anybody say, but also a woman of color to say, Right, That that is where you were going into this experience and holding that experience. And I'll tell you that that's been transformative for me because it's really been a way that I've tried my best to approach some of these difficult um, areas, I suppose, where we're talking about forgiveness or seeing humanity.
2: Well, this, is, this reminds me of the stories of monks who would put pictures of Hitler mm-hmm. on their altar. Yeah. And um, not even with the intention, that like Hitler's behavior would change, but that if the truth is true, it applies to everybody. Everybody's worthy of forgiveness. Um, and also to th- consider the karma that he would have to burn through for like, just it's unfathomable. It's unfathomable.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's unfathomable. The pain that is inflicted on people who inflict such pain. You've got to have a moment of just like, wow, paying the price for what you've done is, may your soul have mercy on you. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Does it make anything okay? No. We know what right and wrong is. Like, we, we get how love works and this is not it. And you will be feeling that for a long time.
0: Yeah, that's so profound. You know, I think there's something about working as a therapist that has sort of shifted my gaze as I look at people um, where I'm able to like almost imagine what they must have looked like as a child. And it, it really shifts the way that I work. And I think that there's something in, if you think about everybody's got something that has sort of cultivated their experience of life and what this world is, but then what cultivated their their caregivers' experience of life and the, what the world is, and their parents, and and where does it end? Right, like at what point do we attempt to say, uh, I, I need to understand how this happened for you versus um, you need to pay, because I don't know, like how is that? And what a burden, yeah, what a burden to think about.
2: That you want someone to pay, you got to think about what their payment might look like, what they're yes. going to lose or solitary confinement or, you know, getting canceled or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I just say to people like, look, you don't have to worry about it. The universe wants everything to come into balance, which is really what karma is. It's not, it's not this punishment model. Mm-hmm. I actually, I believe that there's actually no such thing as good karma. Mm-hmm. I think you just you are love you are good you are pure and then we have all this stuff on top of it all of our grievances and our missteps and the shitty things we do do that throw our you know the perspective of our true nature off balance and so the soul comes in or your community comes in and says that feel good that didn't feel good let's get that back into balance you told that lie you were performative, you betrayed, Mm. then can we do 10 great things to sweep that up? So we Mm. only need to burn illusions, burn karma. And we just get down to like, oh, I'm love, I'm compassion, I'm forgiving, I'm radiance. We just, yeah.
1: Mm. Do you think that this belief i guess and i'm i'm weaving in a question that i had from a different part of the book but it feels appropriate here this belief that so many of us have that god is outside of us that is sometimes this cause of so much division because it does give us like this us versus them or like this punitive um way of looking at at spirit at a, like what's what's bigger out there wonder what your thoughts are on that
2: i think it's a form of torture mm-hmm. yeah and I think it adds to all kinds of addiction. And I mean, I grew up Catholic. And even like, you know, my, parents, my mom got knocked up in high school. My parents were super young. It wasn't like I was like steeped in it. But you go to Catholic school, you go to Catholic high school, there's like yeah. no escape. And I just replaced Catholicism with the New Age. And I found a way to use all the New Age spiritual principles To just create another punishment model. It's like, Mm. okay, now I'm going to burn my karma so that I can still have divine favor. Like I still notice in my own meditation practice, there's still a little bit, I'm making progress. There's still a little bit of negotiating that goes on. Like I'm going to show up as positive today. But when I start to see, and this has really just been in the last couple of years, when I see less of, you know, I got over that God is a male deity mm-hmm. doling out punishment. Um, then I got to okay, um, God is in everything. Mm. Oh, it's been the best thing for my nervous system, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ever. Because I'm not dividing any anything into like, this is going to make God happy, mm. or this is holy and this isn't holy. It's like I am feeling shame today. I'm feeling anger. I, I, you know, I was a vegetarian vegan for a long time. Now I eat meat. God's in the chicken. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. (sighs) yeah. And when you
1: don't believe that it becomes easier also to say that person over there different than myself. Right. Because when you, when you look at it through, we are all God, God is in everything and everyone. It becomes harder to judge somebody else when you have to look at them and know that they are God too.
2: There's, um, uh, do you know Adyashanti? Mm -hmm. I think you would both love his work. Mm -hmm. Californian dude in his sixties now. I think his real name was like Steve, Steve something. He's one of my favorite teachers um this is god being angry today this mm-hmm. is god living homelessly
0: mm-hmm.
2: this is god in rapture like you've really got to drive it down like you can't just play with the concept that god is in everything for a day and wow your tone will change with people
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's helped me the the god is in everything paradigm you know i really want to embody that and not have it just be a concept but it's helped me not feel sorry for people yeah um, like you know i live in the city i live in a great part of the city where there's lots of nature but i only have to walk three blocks and there's the same dude almost every morning asking for money
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you can go, i can go through lots of things some days i feel judgmental I'm like really dude mm-hmm. like those are new sneakers and then other <laughs> days I just move into like the suffering of it. just like, right. God, mm-hmm. what's your story? Like that what's who sexually abused you that created the addiction that now you're here in front of. And how do I know if he's God, how do I know that this isn't his actual spiritual path? Mm-hmm. Like some monks take vows that are arguably just as difficult as what this guy on the street corner is doing. I mean, it's, it's the monks with the begging bowls. Mm -hmm. It's the years of celibacy and isolation. And it's the, it's the Buddhist nuns who actually, I mean, this is, you know, quite esoteric, but like they absorb the suffering energy of other people. Mm -hmm. So how do I know that dude isn't like on his way to enlightenment because he is begging for change outside the donut shop. I don't know. So it creates
0: some room for me to have some respect for him, actually. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how to ask what's coming up, but I think there's something I've heard you speak to in terms of every relationship being a divine assignment. And I'm wondering if you think that about everyone that we come in contact with in terms of you know what you're describing with this man on the corner and if that is some something that i'm working through in terms of my own curriculum in terms of something mm-hmm. that i'm like he's a part of my assignment do you understand Does, am i making sense everybody <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. everybody the guy at the sneaker store where i'm at the back of the store it's just him and i in this huge space and he asks me to put my mask just pull my mask up mm-hmm. that's my divine assignment that day because that is, I do not have a great reaction to that. Um, all of it,
0: mm. all of it. Mm.
2: Because just energy beings, right? It's just like, whatever's in my field is bumping up against whatever's in your field. And I have an opportunity to expand or contract or to react or to go, wow, that's just like an energy bubble. Yeah, with trauma. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: beautiful. I love
2: that.
1: God, I could take this. I, I, I could just absorb you all day. I know. Going. I
2: I love having conversations at this level. Right? It's just because, because like you are really, really in it, Mm -hmm. and you know, don't you just want to say sometimes to your people like, just get over it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. you know that's,
1: that's the hard thing as a therapist, because I think I believe that most therapists would be lying if they didn't say yes to that. Sometimes I think we feel like we're bad therapists if we admit that. Um, but Danae and I have admitted it to each but, other,
2: but out of love, mm-hmm. like, it's like, I know you're not allowed to like cheerlead too much. Like you need to, it's so beautiful. Let people be in their on their journey, you know? But it's it's like, ah, you know, I was with a friend a couple of weeks ago and she was in this bind, business bind with a friend she was in business with. And I was just like, and I can say this because I'm I'm not her therapist. I just say, don't you want to forgive her? You mm. know, I know you do. Come on, you know, and you can <laughs> see like her body kind of relaxes. And but then the mind comes in, she's like, Yeah, but we signed the contract. I'm like, yeah, 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 but come on! Mm-hmm. But it like feels so good to just be over this. Don't you remember why you fell in love with her? Mm-hmm. You can do it. You can be forgiving, but you know you can't force any of that stuff. I
0: love hearing you speak to that because I feel like I always say it's just it feels so much better. You know, I think mm-hmm. when um, my ex husband and I were separating, there was just so much. But you know, you're right because of this, and you should. Th-. And I was like. I don't know, it just feels better to love him. Like it just feels easier for me. Like it feels selfish, but I that doesn't feel good. None of that feels good in my body, my soul. Like I don't want to feel that way. I don't feel like it's about um somehow I'm superior to like it, it just that does not feel good inside of me to hold that,
2: you know. My experience of forgiveness is it doesn't make me feel superior that before I actually actively was you know became more forgiving and I got Mm. a long ways to go I felt that like maybe this is a spiritual bypass I don't know I haven't looked at it
1: (laughs) for those listening there was just a little smile that just crossed your face (laughs) somebody said
2: to me you know I had a nasty business divorce and someone said you know are you going to forgive them and I was like well it's really not my job Mm. to like get into that like but, and the, there's still this little hug. I was like, "Their karma gonna take care of them," you know. I was like, "And I hope it does." <laughs> uh, but like the genuine stuff, it's so humbling.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's so humbling because you, I find there's no place for arrogance and forgiveness because you're aware that you you were a not an unforgiving bink mm-hmm. before. <laughs> like like there was a grudge i was holding it's like ooh okay no totally
0: well, I- Well, I had a client yesterday that was, I was on John's podcast talking about my divorce and she was like, well, good for you, Danae. We all wish we could be so. And I was like, listen, it's just easier. Like, I don't want to be mad at him. It feels awful, but I agree with you. It's not, I did some things I can feel some kind of way about in our marriage, but you know, this feels a little bit.
2: I remember I I had a speaking gig and I was just like freshly divorced. And there was a woman in the audience who would come to forgiveness. And she's like, no, we're really into harmony. And, you know, we still go out for family dinners. And I just like, let me tell you how I'm navigating. (laughs) And I thought like, that was my service. I was like, I have boundaries. And that is my personal growth edge, you know. And, you know, there I am years later in my kitchen, apologizing for having excessive boundaries. Like, you know, really sorry for not letting you on my property. <laughs> my ears. Yeah. So there's a little overcompensation but. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I also think that, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about like there's one, I mean, whatever. We've all had relationships come and go, but there's one person in particular who is very close to me who I'm not friends with anymore. And I'm thinking that there is a way to be in the practice of because I will say it's a practice of forgiveness mm-hmm. without actually letting that person back into your life. Totally you know? And I think that's an important point to make too. Like it's kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about, we're not saying that forgiveness means that you're uh, approving or justifying an action, right. A bad behavior. Um, it's more for you. And I think that we can practice and we should practice being in a, in an active state of, or active practice of forgiveness and remembering that we can still keep that separation, which goes back to what you were saying about, I'm kind of responsible for creating that, that love in my life. I mean, that's, that's on me to create. And if this person in my life doesn't actually add to that state of loving, um, I can love them from afar, but that I, I shouldn't allow them into my sphere.
2: Yeah, and what happens when you forgive someone for X, Y, Z, and two weeks later they do X, Y, Z again? Yeah. Well, you just make a choice. You keep forgiving, but you just gotta and you gotta tighten the lock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I really I'm practicing meta M E T T A. I am sending you loving kindness. Yeah, I really want the best for you, and my responsibility is my nervous system. So you are your calls are blocked from my phone right deal yeah mm-hmm.
1: well we could talk about this all day we do want to get into our lightning round of questions oh
0: i love lightning round <laughs> oh. ask everyone oh my gosh to tonight. um such a gift to so get to talk to you so The first question is, who have been your greatest teachers, Danielle? Um, Either people that you've actually known or, you know, just people whose work you've been influenced by, mentors, things of Mm. that nature.
2: Uh, Greatest teachers, my man, Mm. just how reminds me to forgive, expand, be loving. Adyashanti is one of the most, for me, accessible teachers. Mm. My favorite book of his is Emptiness Dancing. Oh, great title. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, Women Who Run With Wolves, Yeah, really like- It's on the way to me right now
1: in the mail. I'm not kidding. A girlfriend of mine, I just had lunch with her on Tuesday and she was like, and I thought to myself, I was going to ask you, Danae, I was like, did we read this in school? Because it's a depth psychology book.
0: It's one of my
1: favorites. Yeah. And I was like, how have I never read this? Anyway, it's just crazy that you said that because it's literally on its way to me. (laughs) You need to give
2: yourself a couple years to be with that book. It's like- it's not a book you read. Hmm. You are with it. Yeah. That's
1: what she was saying. It,
2: it sealed my womanhood. I just like, I finished Women Around with Wolves. I am a woman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
2: yeah. Those are some key folks. Yeah.
1: Amazing. Um, So, this concept or idea of flow, right? Like, when, Mm-hmm. The word flow is the one that most people know, but I, I would venture to say also, I'm starting to kind of think about it more like John, my partner talks about this idea of being a prism, like when, when something is channeling through you. Um, but what is it for you that you find yourself doing when you're in that state of flow, right? Where you can like blink your eyes and the entire day goes by and you don't even notice.
2: Writing. Mm-hmm. And also, and being with my man or my kid, I have an 18 year old son and it's just, All I want to do is be on vacation with either one of them and make stuff.
0: Just want to make all day. Mm. Yeah. I feel like that's the first time I've heard someone speak about their man or their partner as their flow state. And I don't know why that just gave me so much life, but I really loved hearing that. Um, And what breaks your heart? Child trafficking. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then the last one to kind of close it out. What is your favorite food?
2: Mashed potatoes with ghee. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. I love it.
1: I would, I would add some corn to that when I was growing up. It was like you mix the mashed potatoes and the corn. And that the is like
2: corn. Yes. Yes. Like yeah. the ultimate
1: Thanksgiving food.
2: <laughs> That's like a little bit trashy. That's great. I love
1: it. I'm yeah. all about it. <laughs> we used to do a little ham steak in there too, but I don't do that. <laughs> you want
0: to get real That's
1: trashy, trashy. <laughs> so good <laughs> amazing Aww. well thank you so much danielle for coming on and just sharing your wisdom and gosh. tell us where tell our, our listeners where you know they can find you and where can they get the book it's wide now
2: right how to be loving is out the response is amazing mm-hmm. i'm i feel softened i feel so nourished by the response to the mm-hmm. book uh DanielleLaporte.com. And we have lots going on. I have a beautiful membership, a monthly support system, spiritual support system called Heart Center Membership. And we have a leadership curriculum where like coaches and therapists and HR directors are having Heart centered conversations around the world. And I'm on Instagram a lot, but I'm Instagram. I know. It's not as loving no, as it used to be, it's making it very hard to do what we're all there to do. I know.
1: Danae and I struggle with this all the time. It's such a love hate relationship. Oof.
0: Yeah. Well, my mic wasn't working in the beginning, so I can tell you now. <laughs> um. That <laughs> I just I really appreciate you, Danielle. Yeah. You've been so supportive to both of us in our journeys. Such an incredible teacher to me, and I want to speak for Vanessa and say mm-hmm. her as well. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Um, just, you're such a gift.
2: Mm, I feel really honored. This was so juicy. Yeah, yeah, let's have let's eat some food together sometime.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Eating food with people is like my greatest sense of like (laughs) connection. I'm such a food. I'm such a tourist. I'm like, let's eat food and look at beautiful things and smell beautiful smells. And (laughs) yeah,
0: Yeah. nowhere else to go. I I love it. Thank you.
1: Thanks for hanging out with us here on Cheaper Than Therapy. We really appreciate you sharing your time with us. We mean it. We're so excited to announce that we're bringing back our now annual intensive retreat to kick off the new year. We call it From Self-Abandonment to Inner Belonging.
0: Yeah, it's going to be the first week in January, January 1st through the 6th in Carefree, Arizona at the most incredible location, Savannah Wellness Resort and Spa. Yeah. So during this week-long immersive experience, we're going to be
1: supporting you in doing the work that we are most passionate about doing with our clients, but also with ourselves. This work is all about pattern interruption taking a hard look at the ways that we've been living that aren't necessarily in alignment with our full potential. Some of the ways we've been societally conditioned to abandon ourselves as a way to maintain our
0: relationships, no matter how unfulfilling. Mm -hmm. So tangibly what that looks like is working to understand our codependent patterns, doing a deep dive into shadow work, what that is and how we can start to understand our own shadow using the tools from our background in depth psychology to support you in living a life that feels like it's filled with meaning and moving into a more interdependent way of operating in all of our relationships. So
1: if all of this sounds like work that you're feeling called to do in your own life, we would obviously absolutely love for you to join us in January.
0: Yeah. So head to the link in each of our Instagram bios, or you can go to Vanessa's website under retreats for some more information. And we just can't wait to kick off another new year's together in carefree.